Is activists defacing famous pieces of art hurting their cause? What is my opinion on the Just Stop Oil protests from the defacing of famous art pieces to blocking off busy roads in the UK? And how would you set out to head the direction they wanted everyone to go overnight? I can't imagine it would be sound leadership to alter the direction of a, uh, of a country or your policy positions based on a few people who are throwing stuff at famous pieces of art or blocking roads in the UK. But I suppose that's not their point. I suppose what they're trying to do is drum up some attention in order to get more people on their side so that more pressure can be put on politicians to enact the policies that they want to. But I just don't feel like they're garnering sympathy. They're more garnering derision and hatred, which I don't think will achieve the goals that they want to achieve, right? You want more people on your side, not inconvenience them to the point where supporting the same positions has to be done with the qualification that you don't support the people who are doing that stuff. Like, yeah, I, I do. Like, obviously, I don't support those people who are blocking streets. I don't support those people who are throwing stuff on paintings and stuff. Obviously, they're idiots. But the policies, though, I, I do think those policies are good. That's not the sort of conversation you want to have. You don't want to make support of those policy positions look bad. And it's possible these people are just fools for whatever reason. I have heard people speculate that they might be plants, as in, in my perception, I believe they're doing their cause harm. So, of course, people are going to speculate that there are people paying them specifically to do that harm. I have not seen evidence of this. I don't know if that's true. But as someone just said in chat, pissing people off isn't the way to go. But I will also say that it is often very hard to drum up attention without inconveniencing people. A protest that is out of the way and that no one pays attention to isn't going to get any coverage isn't going to be meaningful. It's hard to run this line where you're drawing attention to yourself without inconveniencing people. Changing society, influencing policy is a hard thing to do. And obviously, as a person who supports less reliance on uh, oil and, and whatnot, moving towards more renewables and, and stuff, I'm obviously sympathetic to those positions, but I'm not necessarily in support of the way that they're going about this, because all I've heard is negative coverage of them. I don't think they're changing minds. Will GTA 6 have cheat codes? Do you think GTA 6 should have cheat codes? It's actually something that people have talked about in regards to GTA 5, that the cheat codes in the earlier titles were so much more robust. There were so many more different things that you could do. And in GTA 5, they're much more limited. It's actually been a trend over the years for less and less cheat codes to exist in games. And instead, there had to be effectively DLC or what have you. This could be in part because they worry about, I know, security vulnerabilities or something, or people screwing up the online stuff or, or leaderboards or something. But honestly, giving people more tools to do whatever they want in the game is just good to me. I mean, give people basically dev tools in GTA 6 as long as it's kept in the single player. And you can guarantee it's kept that way. If it jeopardizes security in any way, Fuck cheat codes. But I would hope that Rockstar learns from GTA 5 and realizes that GTA, GTA 6 and GTA Online 2 must be completely separate. I want, like, different executables on my fucking desktop. They, they be in their own worlds. Like, I, I don't want them on, like, if they're, if they're connected online, I don't want them to go to the same fucking server, okay? I, I want them in different countries. Because I, I don't want anything that happens in G, GTA Online 2 to fuck up GTA 6 in the same way that things that they would do in GTA Online do change GTA 5. And a lot of the exploits and vulnerabilities have come from the GTA 5 side of things for the current GTA Online. Foolish decision, 
Again, likely because they didn't think GT Online was going to be as successful as it was, but I hope they've learned their lesson and they don't make that same mistake again. Cheat codes are just kind of repetitive when you have those mod menus. Remember that a lot of people still just play on console. Cheat codes are all you have on console. And a lot of people don't have the knowledge to install mod menus anyway. Like we think, oh, it's just a small thing like installing a mod menu. But when I had to install Chaos for Minecraft, a game that I know nothing about, I was a little bit clueless for like an hour. And I'm like, oh, I don't really think this doesn't seem to be working. Why isn't this downloading? Why is this? And I do this for a living. When you talk about the average person, it's hard to put your mindset in a person who's completely foreign to concepts. People go, what's a mod menu? I don't understand. Oh, cheat codes. I understand them from games when I was a kid. For those people, as long as it doesn't cause any harm, you may as well put those features in. The dangers of having too much smart tech. Obese Microwave asks, looking at the new curtains, do you have any plans for more smart tech stuff in your house? No. Every attempt to do anything related to smart tech has always just been a pain in the ass to me. And I don't like the idea of, you've heard those stories, for example, where a person has had like access to their house being smart tech and then like the systems have gone down and they can't go in their house and stuff. Like I don't think smart tech provides enough of a convenience for me to be comfortable with the information I'm giving to our overlords at Google. And there's so many inconveniences that come with it as well. I'm just not interested. Like when I was trying to get something that I can use to change my thermostat to turn off my air conditioning and stuff with the press of a button. All of it was smart tech and I wasn't interested, so I just gave up. So basically, all of it, a pain in the ass, so no. What happens if I don't enjoy GTA 6? Does it worry you that you might not enjoy GTA 6 as much as you enjoy GTA 5? Because you can't really make content on a game if you don't enjoy it? Oh, <laughs> I beg to differ. Have you seen my Red Dead Redemption 2 videos? Oh, it would be so surprising to me if I couldn't enjoy GTA 6. I think I can enjoy any game as long as I have some goal in mind. And when you have an audience with you who are invested in what you're doing, it makes things more enjoyable as well. As in like, my mentality towards gaming and you guys can bump up a game from like a zero to like a three. Like you just get three points with the mentality and with you guys. So Rockstar would have to colossally fail like to the point where it's just a four hour drive to the next mission for me to truly imagine not liking gta 6. if it is the case that i don't that gta 6 is like nails on a chalkboard then i imagine i will do a little bit with it and just move on to something else obviously i can't maintain the level of success that i have right now without a main game but i do think i'm at a point where if i do variety content that i, I can be fine Arguably, I'm already fine. Like, I'm not worried about the financials. I'm just trying to enjoy myself and make some good stuff. And if I feel like I can't make good stuff with GTA 6, then I just won't. I'll find something else. Don't we have enough movies? Yes. So I had an interesting experience today, chat. You know the movie Rain Man with uh, Tom Cruise? Basically, a savant is able to play blackjack and count cards and he gets taken advantage of by, uh, by someone. I don't know the whole story. I haven't seen it, but it's a very popular movie. I have not seen this movie, but I've been trying to watch it for a long time. Like, I've, it's always just been like that thing on my list to do. And so today I'm like, today is the day I'm going to finally watch Rain Man while waiting for this TV to be delivered. And so I Googled where to watch it and I couldn't find, there was no place available. But I found out it was released in 1988. It was released before I was born and it's over 30 years old. How weird is that? Like just realizing how much time has passed and how long I've been trying to watch this movie and there's no way to watch it. Like I could pay money like 10 bucks or something to Amazon and, and get it 
just the one movie. Like, but it isn't on any streaming service. It, it was just a, a moment where I was like, holy shit, time is flying by. This movie will one day be like 70 years old or something. And will people still like me be trying to watch it? I wonder like, are there going to be people 30 years from now who are going to be like looking up Dark Fiber AU on YouTube or some shit? Of course not. But it's funny to think on. I often reflect like, shouldn't we reach a point where we don't need any more movies? That there are just enough extraordinarily high quality movies for a person to watch for their entire lifetime? That everything has been commented on? Every story has been told? Every possible permutation of music that can be interesting to our ear has been done? Like how many more songs do we need of people being like, yeah, I've got hoes in every postcode and I'm a big shot up in the club and look at all my neck chains. Like, how many more do you need? Why doesn't YouTube listen to the community? The thing I don't get is that, yeah, YouTube has all this manpower. Why don't they just listen to streamers and implement it? Not all suggestions should be implemented, but some should. YouTube is ridiculously, ridiculously large in so many different regions around the world. It's probably inconceivable how large it really is. And so I imagine any widespread change takes a long time to, to implement without breaking stuff. Especially when you have a website that is over 10 years old and there's likely code sitting there that was made by someone a bajillion years ago. I heard this from someone, okay? It could be wrong. But the reason why we got a new analytics page on the back end, and you may have caused a lot of hub annoyance. People like, oh, I hate this new analytics page. It's terrible. I want the old one back. And they actually gave you the option to have the old one before. Like, I even preferred the old one. But I heard that the reason they gave us a new one is because an, a vulnerability, an exploit was found with the old analytics page where you could get access to a person's account. And they couldn't fix it because the code that was used for the analytics page went all the way back to, like, the founders of the website or something. It was just impossible for them to change it. So they had to, like, rip the entire thing out and put a new thing in. It'd be interesting how often they run into those issues. So as I say, they likely deal with a bunch of difficulties that we just can't conceive of. They're just on a, a scale so incomprehensible. Either that, or they're just dumb. This potential YouTube feature would change everything. That feature I talked about before, where unrelated to live streaming, where they want to give people the option of having multiple audio tracks, I looked at that only from the angle of different language audio tracks. But if that tool was given to everyone and didn't cause confusion or fuck things up on the back end or whatever, think of what you could do with it. Like, if you make a small audio mistake, you could leave up the video, because that's the thing they don't want you to change necessarily, because you might, you might put some stuff in there that shouldn't be shown or whatever, some graphic content or whatever. That's why they don't let you change your videos. You have to like, delete them and put it back up. You could, you could like change it to remove mistakes that you've made in your audio, you could change it to remove like copyrighted music if you get claims like YouTube's backend system to remove remove music is far from perfect. But if you yourself could just upload a new audio track, the sky's the limit of all, all the errors that you could correct, ways that you could improve your content later on in life. Like I could just straight up go back and redub my old pacifist episodes to have better presentation or whatnot. I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't go the effort right now to do that, but I'm just saying like having that tool available to everyone would open a lot of avenues and I hope they go down that route. They let a Minecraft YouTuber named Captain Sparkles change the audio track on two of his music videos when he was having legal trouble with his org. So the technology exists. 
the multiple audio track technology has existed for a while. Linus was talking about how they use it on some of their videos now, but it's still in the beta phase or the alpha phase. It hasn't gone out to everyone. But I've also talked before that YouTube will let you change your videos, but they don't let everyone do that. I have requested sometimes to have my videos changed to a different one because I've made some error and they've said no. Or I just can't get in touch with the right people to make those changes. Clearly, if everyone was asking to replace videos, it would just cause chaos on the back end. There'd just be a never-ending backlog of having to re-upload and take down videos for different creators. So it's something that you can only do sparingly. But for example, my my video with The Professional, my GTA Guesser video, there was a, a bunch of text left on his face for like 30 seconds, which was just a message left to me by Martin that I didn't catch. And I was like, oh, I, I can't just remove that section with the editor because it would ruin the entire video. The video wouldn't make sense. And so I begged YouTube, like, just just let me just upload, just to just take down that one and replace it with another video. And they were like, oh, all right. I think I've done it like twice. I've successfully gotten them to change the video. It's not something you want to rely on. And I don't think they want people to rely on, rely on it. But obviously if I was not as big as I am, there'd be no shot I could do such a thing. YouTube doesn't let me unban my viewers. I do have a YouTube representative, yes. My contact has changed over the years. The most recent one is the most communicative of any representative I've ever had. His name's Alex. At the end of the day though, he is like, he just represents YouTube. It's not like he can personally go into the back end of YouTube and change the algorithm or change stuff. He has contacts with the different departments at YouTube. And so he is a source of information and of I can ask him to ask the different parts of YouTube if I want something done. And often the answer will be no. <laughs> he ain't the CEO. But it's obviously nice to have at least someone that you can email when you want to be like, this doesn't make any sense. Oh. For example, I emailed him yesterday and I was like, hey, did you know that the ban list or the muted person list on the back end of YouTube isn't ordered in any particular way? It's not alphabetical, it's not chronological. There's no ordering. So if I refresh the page, it just gives me a random set of 250 people who've been muted. Why is this a problem? I accidentally muted someone. I was like, oh shit, what was their name? Oh, I missed it. Oh, well that isn't recorded anywhere. Go to the back end. I know, I don't know which one of these people is the person I muted. Fuck, well I guess they're screwed now. This happened twice now. There's two random viewers who did nothing wrong. I just now muted and there's nothing I can do about it. The most innovative cupboard I could find. So I found out these exist, right? It's a timber door. What this is, is these doors like slide into the case itself rather than being pulled out. Like you can kind of see it here, like slides inwards and this one slides inwards through. The reason why this was interesting to me is I've got a very small garage, but I wanted some space in there and a normal cupboard that you pull outwards wouldn't fit. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm just never gonna have any space for anything. But these, Perfect. Like it, it doesn't pull out, it just moves to the side. So if you have that similar issue, highly recommend Timber Door Cupboard. I know this is a weird thing to potentially put in rambles or whatever, but if even one person ends up being like, I did not know that was an option. Holy shit, this is gonna solve a problem. I'll have done my job. Twitch's desperation to get growth to small channels. So for those of you who still use Twitch, for some reason, I don't know why, you, you only need to watch one stream and that's me, your boy Dark5AU on YouTube. Um, like this guy, he, he knows he knows what's up. Twitch has added another feature here. In your followed channels, it uh, defaults to recommended for you. And 
Like, how? what are they basing this recommendation on? I assume it's based on, like, people you've clicked and watched. Like, looking at this ordering, this might be the rough order of channels I clicked in, like, the last couple of months. I'm not sure. I don't watch much Twitch, but I will occasionally, like, click on and go, oh, that's interesting. Like, I was watching a bit of a, a tournament here once before. I'll click into Dunk occasion and go, like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. I'll watch Tyler 1 for, like, a minute and then, you know, be like, oh, that's League of Legends. I don't care. And, and go back to something else. Like, I probably watch less than, like, half an hour of Twitch per month or something. But anyway, this just seems to be... Twitch continuing to try its damnedest to force people to watch people who have less than 5,000 viewers or something, right? Trying to make it so there is a tiny, tiny shred of hope that people who are lower down in the tiers of viewership are actually able to get new viewers. I wonder on the back end how, what effect this has had. I used to follow Sully Gnome and it did seem to suggest that over time there was less of a pooling of viewers at the top, but when I say less of a pooling of viewers, it's like a 5% difference over the last five years, where the 5% of the viewership has moved to the bottom 99% of channels. As I always say, growing on Twitch, kind of a pointless thing, but Twitch has nothing else. They've got to try and make it so the new blood can actually get through. But at the end of the day, if you have a large audience on Twitch and consistently stream, then you're just going to stay there. People like things that they know. They don't want to bother going through... 800 live streams of people that they don't know. If you're big, you'll stay big, and that's all that matters. I bought the Coke for $7, and people were mad. So in my PAX video, my Invo Life Adventure to Melbourne, I bought a Coke from the minibar, and it was $7. And I said, the Coca-Cola is 7 bucks. That's not that much. And this person commented, speaking like a true rich celebrity. But in reality, it was just a GTA 5 reference, because the Coke was $7 which is nice, but not expensive. Clearly, $7 for a glass bottle of Coke is a lot of money, but I was dismissive of its price because it was $7. I wasn't super explicit with the meme, and so I worried that a lot of people didn't get that. I mean, I, for everyone, $7 is not the most obvious meme, right? So a lot of people are like, oh, this fucking up himself, celebrity YouTuber, thinking $7 for a Coke isn't a lot of money? Wow. I was making a joke. Just a very subtle one. That Dark Viper AU's out of touch, drinking his glassed soft drink. Here's your mistake, not realizing people take everything literally. I don't think they were really in the wrong, because it was not explicit. I didn't say, oh, this Coke's $7. Well, that's nice, but not expensive. If I'd said it like that, would have been more obvious, but I was just like, oh, that's not a lot of money. How much of what I do is for the business and not fun? I am a person who loves achieving goals, loves building things, and for that reason, the business is the fun of it, sometimes for me. I like to incorporate fun that I have with other things as well, but the business is a lot of the fun sometimes, right? Seeing how many views I can get on a video, how many people I can make happy and stuff. I don't know if the business and the fun could be ever entirely separated. If you're asking how many things do I do that I otherwise would not do, most of the editing I would not do. Editing is fun to a degree, but there's no way in hell I would sit every single day editing stuff. The shorts I'm making right now, 110% is just a business thing, and I do not like them. The original clips can be good, and I have to agree that the changes I'm making to the original clips make them better, but I would not make those shorts if I didn't think it was a good business decision. There's no fun in that for me. 
I sit there looking at Adobe Premiere like, oh my god, I have to find another clip today. Holy shit, no. No! <laughs> okay, I'll do it. <laughs> oh god. And then the end result, I'm like, oh, that was actually pretty good. Like, his clip's very nice, and I like the way that it's presented now, and da-da-da. But, but the process of making that, holy shit, just chucked me off a cliff.